Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. Hey, last week we uh, started a new series and it was called The Path Forward. We're discovering as we started last week and now into this week how the cross was more than an event. Obviously it was an event, a climactic event, but it was also the kind of life that Christ um, was living and intended and also calls us to. We noticed this last week that the cross wasn't a surprise to Jesus. In fact, early, early on, he helped us understand that it, it was an intentional trajectory. It started from his baptism as he stepped down into the waters, this metaphor that we find throughout the New Testament. As Jesus goes into the desert and the wilderness and is tempted um, by Satan, we, we see that, that, that it shows a life that's in contrast to the ways of the world because the way of the cross are contrast to the ways of the world. And so we want to keep, we want to explore this um, this morning and continue just understanding this cross-shaped life. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to, to Mark chapter 8, and we're going to take another peek into the Gospels and another uh, scene in the life of Jesus, this time from Mark's Gospel. And starting from verse 31, I'm going to read it and listen along, follow along, open your Bibles and read with me. Here we go. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said, You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for some to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. Let's just pray for a moment. God, we pause and um, we just even just think of these words that Jesus tells Peter about the difference between divine thoughts and human thoughts. And uh, we're just so wide open right now to hearing your thoughts, to, to getting a glimpse of your word and, and your intention for us, God. And we just want, we want to make room for that in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives. Empower us to do so, God, by the power of your spirit. Amen. Here, uh, you know, as Jesus begins to explain in this scene with his disciples, particularly with Peter, he uses the word must. You know, he must do this. 
He, in a sense, he knows where he's headed, right? He must endure suffering. He must be rejected by the religious leaders. He must be killed. And of course, eventually, he also must resurrect from the dead. But we get this sense that there's this path leading towards the cross. Even though there's a resurrection on the other side, the trajectory towards this is the cross. And this seems to be new information for the disciples. It seems like they weren't fully clear about this plan as they started to follow Jesus. Verses 27 to 30, we didn't read it, but Jesus is in this conversation with his disciples just prior to what we read. And it provokes a conversation with the disciples to understand who he is, what he's about, what he's, what he's doing. And Jesus asks a real simple question. Who do you say that I am? And they're coming up with a few ideas, and then he, he asks specifically, and Peter responds. Peter says, an amazing declaration, right? You are the Messiah. That word Messiah is the word Christ or anointed one, alluding to the person that Israel was waiting for to fulfill God's purposes for the whole world and make things right. Now, the Messiah meant one thing to Peter and another thing to Jesus, Peter and the disciples in first century, um, you know, Palestine at that time had this expectation of a hero, of someone who's going to come solve all their problems and obviously make everything right and probably defeat their oppressors. Jesus has a, a, another view, a fuller view of what the Messiah is going to look like. And so verse 31, where we started reading, it says, Mark tells us, then Jesus begins to teach them that something, right? That thing. And that thing is that the son of man will or must suffer. Jesus begins to, to teach them, giving them some new information, some new understanding, filling in the gaps where they maybe have missed out. Now, Mark affirms that he's the son of man. It's this title that we get from the Old Testament, particularly Daniel chapter 7, that talks about this figure, this person, one like the son of man, alluding to the Messiah that one day will come and make everything right. Put everything to rights that has been wrong in the world. But this son of man, Jesus says, will do this, but the path to doing this, the path to this victory or will be this suffering, this rejection, this death. And so there's this shift that's taking place like in the disciples' minds right now. It's this shift from being attracted to Jesus, who he is, what he's about, the, 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 the kind of heroic idea of a Messiah that they have. Because up until now, even if you read Mark's gospel, first eight chapters, we're reading about Christ. There's miracles that are taking place. They're amazed at his teaching. And all of a sudden, he's, he shifts. He's like, I, I want to fill you in with something really important you need to understand about me and about my purpose and about where I'm headed. He says, the, the son of man must suffer, must be rejected, must pursue the way of the cross, must, meaning it's part of the plan. It's intentional. It's not like Jesus is saying, I'm going to do this and should I die, I'm ready for it. He's not saying, hey, we're going to go into a difficult time. Be ready to suffer in case it happens. No, he's saying the Messiah will die, will almost volunteer to die, not potentially die, intentionally die. 
And forgive me here, I'm going to kind of go back to a metaphor I used last week with this Marvel series called Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., these, this group of people that are protecting the world from harm. And um, there's this one character in this series. Her name is Sky, and she has these certain powers, and she's part of the team. And as this, this story comes to an end, this epic battle where they need to stop someone who's going to destroy the world, she's confronted with the enemy. And she's in this scene, and, and, and it's this moment where she, she you know, has to decide what she's going to do and how she's going to play her role in this to defeat this evil plan. And this, this, this person uh, who's causing all this basically says to her, you know, the only way out of this, the only way to beat me, the only way to destroy this is by you dying. You know that that's the only way. And she turns to him and says, well, that was the plan all along. In other words, she says, I, I didn't just walk into this fight potentially thinking I might die. I walked into this knowing that I was going to die. It was the plan. And I just love the fact that we can see glimpses of the gospel story in different parts of our culture that sometimes even remind us of, of who Jesus is. And Jesus is saying the same thing. Death is the plan. It's not the potential plan. It's the intentional plan. Tim Keller, in a book he writes on uh, the Gospel of Mark, has this great line about Jesus. Jesus, he kind of paraphrases, says, I'm not here to take power. I'm here to lose it. I'm not here to rule. I'm here to serve. That's alluding to the way of the cross, the way that Jesus leads to victory over sin and death. That also alludes to our way, our life, between The first and second coming, we pursue the way of the cross. We have a sacrificial witness to the world. This is Christ's plan to defeat evil, to make all things right. He will not conquer evil the way the world works. He will conquer evil in the way of the cross. And this freaks us out. I mean, it freaks Peter out. Peter's freaked out. He, he's thinking, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for a Messiah that's going to die. I didn't sign up for a Messiah that was intentionally going to give up like this. I, I, don't, I don't understand this. I mean, you're supposed to win. You're supposed to help. You're supposed to defeat evil and have victory here. And so Peter rebukes Jesus. This is strong language that Mark uses. It's the same word that someone would use to scold someone, to put them in their place. Peter rebukes Jesus. He can't believe that his Messiah actually plans on dying. And Peter thinks, I'm on the winning side, not on the losing side. The Messiah came to defeat evil and make everything right. How can death be part of the plan? And here's Jesus trying to help them understand. And he's so disturbed by what Peter says that he rebukes Peter. And then the line that follows is very strong. He turns to Peter, looks him in the face and says, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. He, he, he specifically, literally is almost telling us, you are like an antichrist spirit in this moment, Satan. We don't see an exorcism or demons the way we might see in other parts of the New Testament, but we are seeing something that is contrary to the work of Christ. It's contrary to the way of Christ. And Jesus exposes it, and Jesus addresses it head on. And what does he tell Peter? He says, you have your mind set on human things, not on divine things. 
Because Peter's so far off of God's plan, so far off of, of, of what the Messiah is meant to be, and he's missing the point enough that Jesus rebukes him. And you know, that, that's you and me. That's us. That's humanity. But also, even those of us who would call ourselves followers of Jesus. At times, we don't want to accept the way of the cross. We don't want to really deal with who Jesus really is. And we often venture out to fulfill God's mission and God's purpose in our own ways or in worldly ways. We're not walking the way of the cross. We're walking the way of whatever we choose to fulfill even God's purposes. And like we said last week, just by choosing to win, sometimes we lose. And here's, here's this reality check for Peter and the disciples. I kind of think about it like when uh, someone begins to date a guy or a girl, like a new dating relationship, but with all the wrong motives. It's like, this is my new boyfriend, or this is my new girlfriend. And maybe there's, it's like, this is like, for them in the moment, it's a symbol of happiness or a, a symbol of purpose or a symbol of, oh, okay, uh, you know, I've, I've achieved something or arrived somewhere, or this is really, really great. And, and sometimes it's like, oh, this is the person on my arm when I walk into an event, or this is the person that I can show people, um, you know, that I found. But then one day, one day as the relationship continues, often like there's a reality check and the questions start coming up. Where is this relationship going? And what do you want from this relationship? And do you love me or do you just love the idea of being a relationship? Do you just like me in pictures and at events as a date or... And then it gets, starts to get serious. Do you want the best for me? Do you want to be in this relationship because it feels good? Because it looks good? Why, why do you want this? Because the fuzzy feelings start to go away and the idea of holding hands or being close or come to a head and really asking the question like, are you, are you ready to commit to faithfully be in a relationship where we serve one another and sacrifice for each other? So it's a, it's a reality check. And I think that's kind of what's going on here with Jesus and the disciples. This reality check. Because the way of the cross defines the path forward and it becomes real at that moment. Jesus is saying, this is where I'm headed. Are you going to come with me? He says, you got to take up your cross and follow me. If you want to be my disciple, that's what it means. It's taking up your cross. It's, you're, we're walking this path together. We're all going towards the cross. It says, if you want to save your life, you must be ready to lose it. Now, the word life in the original there is the word for psyche or the word for self or what, what we might even call like our identity. And so what Jesus is getting at when he says, if you, wanna, if you want to, to save your life, you must really lose your life. He's, he's basically saying, you must stop trying to gain your life, yourself, your sense of self-worth and identity through achievement and through possessions and through even beating the enemy. But instead, you must lose yourself in the path that I'm taking you on. Otherwise, you're going to truly lose everything on this other path. And Jesus is saying, come with me. Come to the cross with me. Lose yourself in the cross. And here's that language that we see in the New Testament. Deny yourself. Uh, die to sin. Die to yourself. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was instrumental in the 40s and um, 
in Germany during even the time of Hitler, his call to, to coming to Christ was come, Jesus bids us to come and die with him. Now, to deny yourself is not to deny your identity, but to deny the sources that feed your sense of identity. To deny yourself is not to deny self, but what you lean on to boost your sense of self. To deny your life is not to, to literally physically die, but it's the restless ways that you and I, me included, depend on to make our lives meaningful and real. And we realize, and Jesus is saying, those ways, those dependencies, that source is actually going to cause you to lose your life. But when you lose your self, your identity in me and the cross, you will actually gain true life. Last week we talked about the idea of winning and losing, right? And when, when we just want to win the way the world wins, we've lost. Jesus showed us that with the temptations in the desert. He chose, he says, I am not going to win the way you are tempting me to win because that will actually not win. That will lose. God's way is different. See, this whole win-lose um, dichotomy, right? Peter's human. He wants to win. I, I don't know about you, but I mean, generally as a human being, I want to win. But the, Messiah's, the Messiah came and he's, he's saying, look, we're not going to win the way the world wins. That's the contrast of the cross. Jesus' path forward is a cross-shaped path. Jesus steps down into baptism, steps down into death to defeat evil. And what appears to be losing, what appears to seem like is the losing way, is actually the way God defeats evil and wins. And there's this countercultural call to what winning looks like. Later on today, take a look at you know, Matthew chapter 5 and read the, the Beatitudes, the amazing way that Jesus opens up the Sermon on the Mount. He says things like, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are persecuted. What? That, sounds, that doesn't sound like winning. Like poor in spirit, meek, persecuted. But Jesus says, blessed are those people. They are people who will inherit the kingdom of God, who will find life and life to the fullest. And so here we're left with this kind of like, what do we truly understand winning to be? Because if we want to win with the ways of the world, we've lost. But if we're willing to lose ourselves in the cross, then we're walking towards victory with Christ. Here's this other way of looking at it. and And it challenges me so much. It's the idea, this idea of adjustments versus alignment. Because the invitation that Jesus gives us is, come with me to the cross uh, ha- and, and, and come to something different to realign myself into his way, into his purpose. What happens often in kind of modern way of thinking is, hey, I'm gonna, hey, Jesus is really cool. Jesus is powerful. Jesus is strong. Jesus has wisdom. There's some cool things in the Bible. I can make adjustments to my life. You know, maybe if I make adjustment to my relationships or make an adjustment to my thinking or maybe if I hang out with better people or maybe if I read some better things. And often the pitch for Christianity is like, hey, you know what? You're just one step away, one step away to a better life here, a better life there. Make some adjustments here. Make some adjustments there. But it's not just adjustments. It's a complete realignment in the way of the cross. So Jesus says, if you want to save your life, 
Lose it for my sake. Lose it for the sake of the gospel. Then you will find true life. A death, there's, there's a death in coming to Christ where we allow the things that would be the source of all the th- stuff for our identity and purpose and self die and we make room for life in Christ. That our lives would be spent for the gospel, for Christ. Dallas Willard says this in one of his books and I think he, he gets to the heart of this. He says, life in the kingdom of God is not something we do, like investing in the stock market or learning Spanish. I don't know why he chose Spanish, but i got to start all over. Life in the kingdom of God is not something we do, like investing in the stock market or learning Spanish, that allows us to reserve dominion over our own life and use, and then use the kingdom for our purposes. We have to surrender the inmost reality of the self to God as expressed in Jesus and his kingdom. We cannot use it while holding on to our inmost self back from it. But that second last line, we have to surrender the inmost reality of the self to God as expressed in Jesus and his kingdom. In other words, the only path forward is the way of the cross, is through the cross. Not merely to be saved and forgiven. That's an amazing benefit. That's an amazing reward. That's an amazing um, thing that comes to us when we lose ourselves in the cross, when we follow Jesus. But here's the bigger picture is that it's an actual life. It's an actual way in God's kingdom. And Jesus tells them, you know what? If you are ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you when I come in glory. There's something here that Jesus is getting at. There's a sense of, of shame that is possible, potential, when Jesus comes in the glory of his father. What's the glory of his father? It's when he dies and resurrects. It's not just some future time. It's, it's actually... The, the idea that some listening to Jesus in that moment will also be there when he dies and resurrects. And they will not taste death until that moment happens. They're going to be alive when that happens, when the power of God's kingdom shows up on that Easter weekend during the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so it's not just some reference to the future God's glory. It's a reference to what's going to take place on Easter weekend, where the power of God is going to be on display in the cross. In Holy Saturday, in Resurrection Sunday. And Peter and the disciples risk shame, risk shame if they don't walk the path that Jesus invites them to. They can miss it, and we can miss it. But in that moment, they could miss it. It's almost like Jesus is saying, be careful, because if you get to the resurrection without relinquishing yourself, it will lead lead you to regret. Getting to resurrection without relinquishing yourself and getting lost in the way of the cross leads to regret. There's a sense of shame that can take place because we realize we missed it. And you know, Easter is historically behind us. The cross is historically behind us in terms of a timeline. But the second coming of Christ and the fullness of new creation is ahead of us. And there is a sense 
of us arriving to that second resurrection and then realizing we haven't relinquished ourselves to the way of the cross and then recognizing the regret and saying, what did we miss? Did we paint Jesus to be something completely that he isn't? Did we follow a way that wasn't even Christ's? Did we just kind of want to add Jesus to pieces of our life for our good, but not truly give ourselves fully to him? And so as we wrap up today and as we continue this journey this month leading up to Good Friday and Easter, I just want to ask us at the, at the end of this, have we embraced Christ's invitation to come with him on the way of the cross, to come with him to the cross? And just right now in this moment, just to pause for a second and just to, to, to reflect and become aware, ask the Holy Spirit to help you be aware. Is there... Have we been following the wrong way? Have we been enamored with the wrong things? Have we been trying to win in the wrong way and not truly in the way of the cross and the way of Christ? And maybe today's a moment of confession for many of us. And maybe if it's not the full wrong way, maybe it's just elements that we, we sense grab our attention and distract us and we say, oh God, forgive us because we can totally see how we've, we can deter off this way or this way or this way. To come to a moment of confession and repentance today and respond to Jesus' words. Tell him, Jesus, I want the life that you long for me. And I'm willing to get lost in the way of the cross in your way. So what does Jesus have to teach us? Maybe Jesus has to teach us something new today. Maybe he has to show us that his way is the way of the cross. And the call towards it. I'm going to end with a, a phrase from C.S. Lewis and then pray. Let's read it together. Lewis says this, Give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death, the death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day and the death of your body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being and you will find eternal life. Keep nothing back. Nothing that you have not given away will be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him. And with him, everything else thrown in. That's our desire. We want to find life. And it's only found in the way of the cross. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we invite you to inspect us, to examine us today. Help us see if we have been caught up in perceiving Jesus, maybe in our own image or in our culture's image, or in the successful path of the world, and yet Jesus calls us to the way of the cross. God, I, I pray you, you help me and all of us sit with this text and sit with this reality check and sit with this invitation. And, and God, there's part of our human nature that, that fights this that fights this because we so long to win right now. 
We so long to boost our self and identity and psyche right now. And yet we can miss out on true life that only comes when we lose ourself in Christ and in the way of the cross. Oh God, I long for everything that I die to and a life given over to you to be raised one day. Forgive me when I hold parts of that or all of that back because only what I give to you can be resurrected and restored. God, we want to walk your way, the way of the cross. Take the invitation of Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com slash giving. Until next time, peace.